Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 84 for Monday, April 13th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, but you may also know him as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. We've just had a rousing conversation about technical uh, problems, technical solutions, technical everything, and you can get that at the Spawn Chunks on Patreon, where you'll be able to listen to the render distance if you sign up to be a patron. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this week, actually, in the main show. We have a little bit of stuff to touch on for our quick login, because you and I, after the Dungeons episode last week, where we talked about our first impressions playing single player of the game, hopped into a Twitch stream, and we played some multiplayer. And and it was easy, like, to, to connect. It yes. was as simple as, as I had to double check the password for my Minecraft account, or for my, my Microsoft account, because, like, I don't remember the last time I logged into Skype or my Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, but added you as a friend. We did that throughout the business day just to kind of double check to have that lined up. Yeah. And then when we logged on to stream, we just had a couple minutes on a Discord call to double check that we were uh, on each other's friends lists. And just, you know, you, st- you invited a, me to a game and I clicked accept and poof, I was standing in your in your camp. Yeah, ready I, to go. I think the one stumbling block was that we didn't realize you couldn't just join straight away. The tutorial mission is exempt from all of the other stuff, but you have to get to that first camp area where you can select missions from a map and at that point anybody can join so we skipped the tutorial not realizing that the tutorial actually gives you a couple of uh, artifacts to get started and so we went into the first creeper woods level with nothing (laughs) and so it was a bit of a different experience and i think i'd increase the difficulty by one level just because i wanted to see so as well a few more enemies and we didn't have the aoe rockets that allow you to do splash damage to stuff we didn't have the fishing rod that stuns people we just had our swords naked as the day we were born and ready to attack some zombies but despite that i think it went pretty well i had a great deal of fun playing multiplayer i think the multiplayer in that game is i mean single player was fun multiplayer is funner as far as i'm yeah. concerned and it was just the two yeah. of us as well like it's going to be both chaotic and delightful playing that with four players yeah i think four players is going to be tricky uh i i liked the the teleport function i thought that was really cool you can use an ender pearl by pressing f1 you load up your teleport button but then you can actually choose f2 f3 or f4 to teleport to specific players so uh we only had the one option because there was just one other person but if you had two other or three other party members, you could decide if you need to teleport to somebody who is maybe requesting help, if they're at a different part of the screen, uh, or if you want to teleport up front where you are needed to tank as opposed to out back where you're needed to um, to, to shoot arrows. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. I do feel like the teleport is a little bit long. Like, I don't know if you're really going to be able to help anybody because it takes you a good 20 seconds to just get there. Yeah. Um, that I, feels a little, that, that could be a little bit faster, I think. I get the sense they don't want people to abuse that and try and use it too tactically yeah. it's the kind of thing where if one of you gets lost in a dungeon somewhere and needs to find the exit then somebody can just yeah, stand in the right you. place once all of the danger is passed but yeah it's it's very good that they have that functionality in there and aside from that we didn't notice too much different about multiplayer than single player except for um it was pretty clear quite quickly that you don't get the same equipment drops out of chests so yes uh, you were finding armor and stuff while i was seeing swords and eventually once we opened some supply chests i think we could take each other's arrows and bread but that's good because it means somebody who is playing a ranged character can just take all of the arrows if they want to and multiple players can get those arrows for them so if you want to just like sit there grabbing 
up and up until like capacity of arrows and then shoot stuff from the back while everybody runs forward and tanks and and does melee damage then that's that's super great too right but you as a player if you don't need or want arrows you have to not click on them like you yes. have to just leave them for other people um i like that the uh, bar above your head shows me your health but also uh also your uh arrow count yes. so that i can say oh crap johnny's down to 60 arrows i should let him catch up because i'm sitting on 204 or something you know like i i i like that aspect of it did you do you find that the the health bar above your head is a weird color like to me i'm looking for something red and it's never it's never what i expect it to be because the heart on your hot bar is red right for your yeah. your personal health but the above above your head it's a different color uh i'm wondering if uh, again, we wouldn't know until we added a third or fourth party member. I'm wondering if they're different colors based on player one, player two, player three, player four. I think that Did... is the case because um, yeah. when we both ended up with those summonable wolves uh, that you get by getting a, a tasty bone artifact, yep. and yep. I think those had different colored health bars because I was able to determine uh... which was yours and which was mine. So I right. think it goes green, yellow, and then presumably red and blue would be the other red ones. Red and blue or something like that. Yeah, yeah something make that would that would make make more sense. Also, I get irrationally mad with my wolf dice. I Just know. F it's <laughs> FYI zombies, like I'm coming for you. Yeah. If yeah. that happens. And and the wolves yeah. will still go in and aggro creepers and the creepers just explode and oh, it's a it's terrible. Yeah. But uh, it is terrible, yeah. It, they're, they're, I, I played single player beyond that. I did another stream last week and I uh -huh. upped the difficulty to like level three, I wanna mm -hmm. say. Uh, and there was a, there was a lot of dudes. Like I didn't die, but boy did I come close. Yeah. Like real close. You have to think. Uh, things become much more difficult. Uh, I did not. I need to go back and play on just difficulty level two to understand if not only our increase in difficulty when you and I played, but also the fact that there was two of us in there. If that again increase the number of bad guys do you think it did i believe it does yeah i think it, yeah. Sca it definitely scales the difficulty based on who is there and i think it adds more enemies to compensate for the fact that you don't want to just mm. be cutting down one or two zombies at a time um so i played a little bit of single player as well i've now actually got to the point where i have covered all of the content in the demo in the in the beta um in terms of all of the levels i played all the levels at the highest difficulty and I'm basically holding off until full release because I don't want to get all of the items it's possible to get in the demo and then yeah. find that like none of the, like there isn't much else added in the full release. I would like to hear that they are holding back certain artifacts and stuff like that. And I think some of them are tied into the levels from later on. There's definitely a few things I expected to see more frequently from the footage we've seen that just wasn't there like those um beacons that you can fire a giant beam out of weren't in the the beta as far as i have found at least and mm. i think i've seen most of the stuff that game will throw at you i found quite a few unique weapons though which is really nice i think those are those are super fun to find and it's always kind of hard to let go of them even when the other weapons you're getting become way more overpowered like i, oh, I ended, ended up what with was those the name of the sorry go ahead i ended up with those sickles that i was using yes, uh, when yep. we were playing and and it was a, a unique weapon called the last laugh which actually has this little kind of like vex ish laugh to it whenever you equip them which is kind of neat um <laughs> but the, they're a special weapon i think they get slightly faster attack damage and there's a chance for them to generate items or something like that they get some perks that are basically like enchants that are built in on top of the extra enchants that you can add to them using enchantment points but 
uh, I got that, and I got the mushroom accessory that basically lets you attack super fast on a on a, a short oh cooldown. And I was blazing through stuff, and that was super fun. But soon enough, I got to the point where I found a sword that was, I think, four or five levels of power higher. And at that point, on higher difficulties, the sickles just weren't cutting it anymore. No pun intended. But um, <laughs> yeah, they, I, I ended fired. up I ended up with um, with a couple of extra bows of different kinds as well. I didn't get the one that you had with the the pink uh, spirally oh arrows. Gosh, that, that was, was super so fun. <laughs> it has like this cartoon like sprawling sort of is, like whenever you fired it, it was like it was literally like like listening to Wiley e. Coyote jump on spring shoes. Like it yes. was just. It is so cartoony and fun. Very, very Looney Tunes. Yeah, very. I don't wacky, remember wacky what the races. effect was. It was like turn. It like turned the mob against itself. Or I can't yeah. remember whether it was rage or it, it had a bunch of different abilities. But the thing that I find so interesting about um, the armor rating or the the level rating, power rating, pardon me, uh, of the weapons is that it's entirely. I mean, yes, they'll say technically this is better or worse, but there's two different things that come into that outside of of the actual tech specs. It's that one, your play style. Like, are you t are you upfront melee or are you holding back? You know, um, ranged attacks, and so you're gonna gonna go with you know a better bow versus better you know in person weapons and or melee weapons, and, and your armor is also more than likely gonna buff your range stuff as opposed to your melee stuff yeah and so depending on how you're playing uh is going to affect that but also i find too just play style like even if you're yes you're a ranged character i had the same issue where i'd be picking between two bows and it's like wow i don't really i like i know this is a weaker bow but i much prefer multi-shot or i much prefer bonus shot or whatever it is that that you can get with it um i i was watching my my friend brian dunaway stream uh, and he was playing dungeons for the first time. And what, what I like so much about Brian is that he doesn't read anything. He just, he, he just kind of first time playing games. He just likes to dive in and see what he can figure out. So he just, just like, feel like, it out. Yeah. Feel it out. Right. So, and, it, and he's a funny dude. So he's trying to do stuff and he's wondering why it's not working. And you just like, I mean, you can just, you can tell that people watching are just like, read the description of the weapon and you'll understand. But he's just like, what does this do? Boing. You know, like that kind of stuff. Um, but he had a bow that was called a twin bow. And it didn't need an enchant to have a bonus shot. It shot yeah. two enemies at once, no matter what. And yes. then he and I were having this chat discussion about like whether or not he should upgrade it. It's like, I don't know, man. Like the next bow is like a, a 10 more damage, but you can't shoot two people at once with it. Like that's that's hard. Like that's a tough decision. So it comes down to like how you want the game to feel. Much like we talk about redstone contraptions on the show where we want them to look and feel cool, we don't necessarily want them to be 100% efficient all the time because that just honestly ends up looking like all the other stuff out there. Like everybody ends up with the same farm, right? Yeah. And with, with dungeons, I find like you might want to be more powerful, but you might find that being more powerful is not as fun. I ended up with a pickaxe. The animations currently in the beta don't vary you use the same single overhand swing every single time you're you're powerful you own face it's kind of boring yeah i would much rather have a lower power sickle and be just like you know you know like go in there and just like it's much more fun to have six different animations to those guys uh and and unlock you know and unlock the fun that way and and so I find that I'll I'll just go once I reach a certain level. It's like, well, I'm not dying. How do I want this to feel when I'm playing? 
If yeah. it feels more fun to have the lower power bow that has more sparkly effects, I kind of just go with that, right? I think it speaks to the level of depth they've added into this game too, that you have that variety of choice and that you're not limited by whatever does the the highest numbers, you know? Like, that's the, the thing I tend to go for in when I'm playing JRPGs, which I still do occasionally, is, like, I will pick the weapon that has, like, the highest strength value that just adds to your attack the most. But then I realize more recently, as my kind of outlook on gameplay like that has matured, that the way I used to do that some sort of 10 or 15 years ago when I first got into it meant that my character just ended up attacking really slow. And I'm suddenly like, oh, now I... I can take down some of these optional harder enemies because I know that the strategy is to attack light but super fast instead of do one big heavy swing that does like a third of their health bar you know mm -hmm. there's, there's there's different approaches to it which I think works really well for variety of gameplay in dungeons and as we've been saying this is just the beta so hopefully we'll have even more depth of content to explore when the full release comes out in May. And speaking of depth, the thing that I experienced for the very first time, because uh, playing with you, we were at a higher level and higher um, story adventure than I had experienced on my own ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so I got to experience the Geomancer with you for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I have to tip my hat to a brand new mob that has not been in Minecraft at all, is new to, to dungeons, has a Minecraft flavor but is way smarter than any other mob you've ever experienced in Minecraft. They are long-ranged. Uh, they call stones into the ground that both attack you and or pin you down. And it is like, it's almost comical how accurate they are. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like you, you're, you're going to attack a skeleton and all of a sudden there's a wall of stone in front of you. Like, where the hell did this come from? Yes. And, it, and, it, and it's a geomancer that you can't see because they're off screen. <laughs> they're very tactical like that. They will hang around the periphery of the screen and then there's like a U-shaped kind of like three sides of a box around you or just a field of stones at random positions that makes it difficult to navigate. Or occasionally one or two totems will pop up and then they'll start explode. to turn red and then they explode like creeper explosion level and they all have creeper faces carved into them which is great yes like it's such a nice touch like it's like I, chiseled I, stone comes out of the ground i and... love them i yep. i don't know if it's possible to add them to minecraft but it would be fantastic because yep. it would just the the something there's just something so interactive about the fact that they don't attack you directly they they call something out of the ground it's similar to um is it evokers evoker fangs yeah with yeah, the kind evoker of like fangs. the crocodile mouths that come up yeah, yeah. speaking of uh that's where i almost died yeah. i ended up fighting an evoker in a choke point they're tough man yeah like they are hard they have like hard. mini mini boss bars that come up when you when you yeah encounter one of those because they are like yeah. they're, they're, there's a couple of them scattered throughout the level and then a larger one that you fight towards the very end when you've like rung mm. the bell and it's the arena fight at the end yeah. of that level uh pumpkin yeah. pastures is the name of the level it's yeah. it's tough and they they summon vexes just like they do in minecraft they summon fangs to attack you like they do in minecraft and if there are other enemies around, especially, you find yourself getting overwhelmed pretty quickly. Plus, they have a long health bar to take down. I find the Vexes a lot easier to handle in dungeons. 
Oh um, yes, yeah. Because <laughs> there's the, so much the easier game, to hit. The game does the targeting for you because it's not in a 3D space necessarily, or yeah. it, kind of, it, it is, but yeah. it's like it's it's um, the sort of isometric view instead of you having to aim at them directly and have them face well, through blocks in front yeah, of you. I'm, and I've said before in the show that melee in first person to me is just not not good. I mm-hmm. don't think I don't find melee a good first person mechanic. I, I much prefer um, range for first person. Um, but yeah, like it just it's they're really cool and something i noticed you know you mentioned earlier about like attacking enemies quickly and having those quick attacks uh will stun the enemy long enough that they can't hit you back like once it takes like three or four hits to kill a zombie or a skeleton every single time you hit them you interrupt their attack so they can't actually get you yeah um that doesn't happen with evokers Mm -hmm. you can get in there and be all like you know super fast punchy punchy but they'll still be able to summon the vexes and and stick stick out the fangs and all that kind of stuff i feel like the fangs also had different patterns than it does in vanilla minecraft there was at least there's the zipper one but then there's also one where the fangs come out in like a star pattern or like a multiple yeah like i i think depending they, on the they difficulty. Can... They can summon them in a circle, and I think they do that on vanilla Minecraft as well, but I never get close enough to an evoker, really, to see those. Normally, right. I'm just taking them out of <laughs> the distance with arrows if I'm in a woodland right. mansion or on a raid. So it kind of... It, it, it makes it makes sense that I take them down quick enough that I don't get to study their mm. attacks in detail. Um, but yeah, if, if folks at home want to watch our Dungeons multiplayer or Joel's uh, second stream where he ended up streaming a little bit more single-player stuff, we'll have links to those in the show notes because we could go on all day, I think, about Dungeons. This is basically yeah. like part two of our Dungeons discussion, but oh boy, we have a snapshot to cover. So is there anything else we want to cover quickly here at the top of the show before we dive into snapshot news? I was going to talk about some of the issues that I'm having in particular with the snapshot on my Mac. Um, I know I've mentioned before on the show that uh, 115.2 is got some frame centering issues. I do have a link on the bug tracker for that. I'll have that linked in the show notes. Um, but I am continuously experiencing the same issues with uh, the snapshots. I usually don't play them. Um, I drop into them on the Mac to explore a little bit sometimes, get sna- uh, screenshots for the, the show art, that sort of thing. And it's like, it's worse uh, on on 20w15a uh it's it's unplayable like i even remember trying to just place a couple of blocks because earlier in the week we were chatting with people in discord and i was on my pc and i was messing around with blackstone and some other stuff but i i wasn't able to check out the quartz or some of the other new blocks and so i popped on this morning to mess around i couldn't aim like i tried to place two blocks in a row completely missed and just was like, well, why am I overshooting and stuff like that? It's just, it's, it's so choppy, it's unplayable. Hmm. Um, and so I know that it's not a Mac issue because I, ca- I can't change anything on these things. Like, yeah. it's just, it's the same hardware that it's always has been. Minecraft worked just fine until it stopped working just fine. And so um, I- I'm finding that issue really, really frustrating because i don't have a backup system like i i know i have uh, my own pc issues because the issues on my pc i mentioned last week are system-wide other games on my pc are having the exact same problem um speaking of the pc uh i have a link that i'll share with folks if they're interested um in watching some videos that i've been able to record unfortunately when i record the videos you don't see precisely what i see on the monitor it's it's still glitchy but it's not exactly what i see but it's similar um, but on the PC, I found that with Optifine pre-release 13, I've been able to sort of kind of mitigate 
the issues along with a number of other under the hood changes. So if you're having issues with um, frame setter on a PC, um, feel free to reach out because like I've done a lot of work with mini packs, a member of our sponsor community, as well as my own. Uh, I can't thank him enough. And uh, I would be happy to maybe narrow your frustrating online search. So we won't get into it here on the show too much. If you if you have questions, hit me up in the Discord and hopefully we'll be able to to point you in the right direction because like I, it's been weeks now of me trying to figure this out. It's been a solid two weekends of me not streaming at all and it's been super frustrating. So I'm hoping a fix comes some point. I'm not sure where or how, um, but, um, uh, and again, I'm not laying, for the PC, I'm not laying it at the feet of, of Mojang, but on the Mac, it's gotta be Minecraft. Like there's nothing else has changed. It's the only thing that's that's changed on the on the system. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, incredibly frustrating. But uh, speaking of the uh, the snapshot, there's quite a lot to talk about. Where do you wanna dive in? Uh, let's kick off with the snapshot itself. This was Minecraft snapshot 20w15a. Uh, and we have a quote from the the top of the blog post where all of the changelog was published. It's a wonderful day here in Sweden today. The sun is shining and spring is in the air. And when I say spring, I mean pollen. Let's remedy that by one, staying indoors. And two, introducing an all new biome with a grain of basalt, blackstone and magma cubes. To spice it up, we also have new fine tunes for you to listen to while traversing the nether. Enjoy the snapshot. And that's from Adrian Ostergaard who is uh, responsible for posting all of the blog posts lately, along with various other things. And, oh boy, are there some new features in 20W15A. I want to talk more about the music, and that's going to be the main discussion for the episode, but how about you take us through the rest of the changelog first? Sure. Uh, New features in 20W15A. Added basalt deltas biome to the nether. Added a new set of stone blocks called blackstone with regular polished and polished brick variants. Added gilded blackstone, blackstone with uh, which has been imbued with gold and has a chance of dropping gold nuggets when broken. Blackstone can be used to craft furnaces and stone tools, similar to cobblestone. Added soul campfires that are made with soul sand or soul soil instead of coal in the middle of the campfire. Added chiseled nether bricks, cracked nether bricks, and quartz bricks. Added a piglin batter pattern, looks like a snout. Added three new tracks of Nether music, which we'll get to later in the show, and added accessibility improvements. Uh, these accessibility improvements are line spacing, which actually separates the lines of chat, make them easy to read for people that might have trouble, and added a chat delay, uh, which slows down the flow of the chat, meaning that you can read it a little bit uh, easier. It's not flying by quite as quickly on maybe a busy multiplayer server. Uh, and also will give you a cue, letting you know how many messages are coming up uh, before they're all you're all up to date. Uh, basalt deltas uh, are remnants of volcanic eruptions. This biome sports high concentration of bi- basalt columns. And my show notes just skipped all over the place. <clears throat> basalt columns and lava deltas. Uh, walking through, you will be surrounded by flakes of flowing white ash. Magma cubes finally have a place to call home, spawning very frequently in basalt deltas. Blackstone can be found in large patches in basalt deltas as well. There are some changes uh, to dispensers in 20W15A. Dispensers can now saddle mounts like pigs and horses, as well as add armor, chests, and llama carpets to the appropriate mob. Dispensers now shear other shearable mobs like mushrooms and snow golems. Soul sand can now be used to craft soul torches. Nether vegetation blocks, i.e. sprouts, roots, vines, fungus, wart, and wart blocks are now compostable. 
Walls will now connect to more things like iron bars, panes, and even sea pickles. I don't know about that last one. That's kind of odd. Uh, <laughs> hoes are now the appropriate tool for breaking leaves. Mobs avoid walking on magma blocks and lit campfires. Interesting. And then, of course, there's quite a bit to go on about nether music. But that, that's, that's, the, that's the technical stuff, I think. Nether music is a really cool one because, uh, as the blog post says, we are happy to announce that we've added three new tracks for the upcoming Nether update, all composed by the very talented Lena Rain. So a track called Rubido plays in the Nether Wastes, Chrysopia is played in Crimson Forests, and So Below is played in both Soul Sand Valleys and in the new Basalt Deltas. Uh, the There are two lines in the blog post and a completely separate blog post which we'll cover later, but the two lines here from Lena herself. Uh, one of the primary instruments in Minecraft is the piano, and so one of my challenges to myself was to see how far I could push the sound of the piano until it resembled other things entirely. Again, that alchemical process of composition. Uh, I wanted each piece to feel like a progression of emotions or a journey from place to place within this other world. There's a degree of beauty to the nether, but it is also terrifying in both its details and scale. And for folks who have the opportunity to check out these snapshots on Java Edition, I really do encourage you to start up a new world in the snapshot in Creative, fly to one of the biomes or use the locate biome command we have now to go to a specific place, crank the music and just listen to it. I've included some of it in a snapshot video that I posted earlier in the week. It is fantastic music and I really want to commend Lena for both composing some fantastic stuff to begin with and also carrying on from what i feel c418's like original style for minecraft was it feels very minecraft while at the same feeling very new which is kind of how i feel about the nether update in general so yeah more thoughts on that as we said later in the discussion but hats off to to the whole team really for the way this update is shaping up there's some fantastic stuff here this actually brings up something that i think was either added last snapshot or perhaps this snapshot doesn't really matter when uh i use the find biome command to locate the biome um the basalt deltas spoiler yeah. for the for the show art for this week um they've changed the way that auto tab stuff completes now yeah it's way easier like you don't have to it's not you don't have to type in exactly from beginning to end you can just type in like if you can't remember what it's called you can just type find biome and then start slight typing delta and it'll just suggest do, like do you mean basalt delta yes yeah, I yeah. Do. <laughs> thank yeah. you and because i i find that not knowing a lot of the different commands that go in between things was always hamstringing me when i was trying to use the commands in minecraft and that feels much better it feels way more intuitive now Yes, yeah, it's it's it feels more kind of like a search engine than it does yeah. like a, a command prompt, which which helps a lot, especially mm -hmm. if you're getting into that stuff originally. And then once you've done it a few times, you can remember exactly what the command you were looking for was. Um, so yeah, I think that has that that was something that we covered briefly in a previous snapshot. So that has been changed, updated a little bit recently for for usability, and and that that's working pretty well. Let's dive into the features themselves since we're saving the music discussion for later. Starting, I think, probably with the biggest change, which is those basalt delta biomes. Uh, having seen a couple of them in the nether now, how do you feel about them? Oh, they're brilliant. I think they look 
wonderful. They, yeah. they they feel they feel more nether than the nether, if that makes any sense. It's the um, uh, the kind of gray surrounding you. It feels so different, even with like the addition of warped forests, which are the crazy blue, like the neon mm-hmm. blue ones. I think basalt deltas feel like. It, it kind of suits the surroundings with the ash and the lava and the new blackstone, which we'll talk about extensively in a second. But I, I mm-hmm. think it's so like decayed looking, but also incredibly beautiful and feels more like the way basalt generates in real life. I compared it in my video to the Giant's Causeway, which is the kind of basalt formation you find in Northern Ireland and parts of Scotland, where there's just these enormous sort of hexagonal pillars of basalt rising up at different elevations in kind mm-hmm. of the same way that they've generated them in the nether. And I agree. I think they look spectacular. And you know what it is? It just kind of dawned on me is that it looks more like a cave. It makes the nether look more like a giant creepy cave mm. because of they look like stalactites and stalagmites, right? Yes. Yeah, Because definitely. of the way that, they, the way that they, they spiky kind of stick out of, especially when you have a basalt delta that bleeds into a lava ocean. Yes. Because um, the spikies will continue and you, you'll go from a solid spiky mass to then little spikes kind of sticking out of the lava, completely surrounded by by the lava, and it it just looks so cool. It looks like um, when you see like a jagged shoreline in the real world, you know, in the ocean, where you've got like these little little crags of rock that are sticking out of the ocean near the shore. It looks like that, and it's just it's very very cool. Uh, I do. I mean, I find that the basalt deltas—they're very large, from what I can tell. Yeah. The few times that I've seen them, they do feel really expansive, um, perhaps by design because of the materials that you can get from them and what those materials can do. Um, I I don't know if they're starting to overpower the Nether. It feels like everywhere I looked was just basalt everywhere, um, <laughs> especially once you get into the thick of them. But yeah, I, I well, kind yes, of, yeah, I kind of agree. I was expecting these biomes to occur in little pockets, and for the majority of it to be Nether wastes. And the Nether waste is vastly feeling outnumbered now to compared to some of the other stuff even though crimson forests kind of blend with nether wastes quite well because of the red color scheme i feel like the other two biomes are present enough and along with the lava lakes and stuff as well it feels like we are seeing less of the original nether in the nether now which could be a good or a bad thing and pretty soon it'll be the new normal it will feel less weird but still it's it's a little strange seeing this enormous mass of basalt everywhere if i if i was gonna anticipate one of these new biomes to be the big expansive one it would be soul sand valley yeah like those would be the ones that i would expect to be the ginormous ones and speaking of when you get a soul sand valley that spawns next to or generates next to a basalt delta it's really cool because then you can potentially have the basalt delta with the bluish fog depending on which way you look like it can it can add like a layer to the basalt delta because of course there's basalt in soul sand valleys too right so it, yes. it's having having looking through a basalt delta into a soul sand valley has a really unique ethereal kind of feel to it um the only criticism i have of the deltas so far is that depending on how they generate vertically in the nether they they feel really they go from feeling very organic and very sensical to feeling like 1.12 minecraft floaty in a weird way yeah and i don't know exactly why it's why it feels weird with this because i've seen it in the crimson forests and the warped forests and that seems to be okay but for whatever reason with this i think it's because we're dealing with like 
trees and vegetation that's growing on the side of the nether wall versus this just looks like floating rocks when it's yeah. vertical i've noticed if that a, makes any sense a few areas below if you get below it and there's like a lava lake underneath they sort of seem more squared off and it's kind of got some some straight edges to it whereas the mm. top of the biome is is a lot of elevation changes in a small area and it sort of feels like if if the basalt could hang down from below the biome to kind of cut up a little bit that kind of flat texture that you get underneath oh, that might yeah. that might help a little bit if, if it was hanging down a lot more instead of just vertically upwards if it was going downwards as well like like the generation of the biome is 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 generated on top of an existing surface as opposed to in both directions yes. yeah, yeah like this if the spikes were both positive y and negative y in their generation that yeah. would make that would look really cool then you'd start then it would start to look like the fortress of solitude <laughs> from superman but yes. like evil yeah no that's really cool i never Absolutely. i never thought about that that superman comparison just came into my mind right now that's actually really cool yeah, yeah. i think about it um no i like i i really i really like it i now i've only been flying around in it um i uh, i have an opportunity to play on on a snapshot server should i decide to take the time to do it now that i've hopefully got some things sorted on my pc but um i can imagine that early days on a server and early days in the nether, the basalt deathels are going to be tough. Like, yes. Navigating these things and not dying and rage quitting is going to be hard. Especially being, being you know, squished by magma cubes everywhere you go because magma yeah, cubes yeah, yeah. spawn so frequently there. It's kind of a surprise oh considering Parkour. how rare they are before. Yeah, um, there is there is a lot to be said for that. And there's also going to be, you know, a chance to build a magma cube only mob farm there, which is the first time we'll really be able to guarantee only magma cubes spawning in a certain location so boy oh boy are you gonna need some fire resist <laughs> certainly are yes yeah and I, and I say and I say that it looks hard in a good way I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing I think we needed a little bit more challenge I think in in the game yes and and I think it's it's a new type of terrain really which is is mm -hmm. it, no, nothing else seems to generate like this which is is pretty promising uh, speaking of the way it generates, it generates with a lot of this new block, Blackstone, uh, which I think looks really good in the biome itself. When it is surrounded by all of the basalt and when it's supposed to look like a volcanic formation and it's got streaks of lava and stuff in it, I think it looks pretty great. But then you take it out of context and I feel like it loses a bit of that and it becomes, when we consider it as a block that players are going to be taking to other places and building with, it seems like a dream block in a way because you have a black block with a bunch of different variants. It turns into bricks, it turns into a polished texture like polished andesite with the sort of beveled border around the outside and it breaks down into slabs, stairs, walls. Um, it's a stone block Pre so there aren't, you know, trap doors and stuff, but there are cracked Pressure variants. Pressure plates? Yeah. Um, buttons and it can also be used as a substitute for stone meaning it adds a stone tool progression into the nether so now you have the option to create wood stone tools then you barter with pigmen or uh, piglins rather to get uh, iron nuggets which you can turn into iron tools um, I'm pretty sure you can get diamonds from nether fortresses and then you have the option of getting netherite from there so the entire tool progression is now available to players in the nether which is exciting because you know you have the option of doing a purely nether survival series if you want to and only visiting the overworld occasionally not to mention the fact they've just made um all of the nether plant life um 
possible to compost so that you can create your own bone meal if you don't want to go fighting skeletons and stuff. There are more and more survival options becoming available to people in the nether. But then you look at Blackstone out of context, and I feel like you and I share the same thoughts on this, which is that the texture is a little bit difficult to work with. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll even be less polite and say it's very difficult to work with. Uh, the texture is noisy, to put it bluntly. And, yeah. and I, and I want to say, of course, you know, yes, new blocks are a good thing. Uh, at least they're never a bad thing. You can call me a negative Nancy all you want, but, uh, I'm, I'm happy that there's been an effort to include a black block that has variants in the game, but something about it just feels backwards to me if you look at the new textures that were released with 114 and all the work that that was put into those to make them more like to make them smoother to make them work better together uh this just feels like back to square one minecraft 1.12 stuff like it's just it's like the, the programmer art style as it's kind yeah of referred it's to now. very pixelated it's um it's all, I mean, aside from, I think the, the noise is the biggest issue. That's the one, when you stick it next to other things, the noise of it is what sets it apart immediately. But right after that, you're going to notice that the hue of Blackstone is quite purple or blue uh, compared to other neutral gray blocks in the game. So you can't really use it in any kind of gradient with stone bricks because, or cobblestone, because stone bricks and cobblestone are gray. They're not blue. They don't have any hue to them. They're pretty neutral. Uh, this is going to line up more with things like obsidian and crying obsidian that have those purple hues. It's a, it's the reason why you don't see people use obsidian in black builds all that much because it doesn't go with the other black blocks. Same thing when you compare uh, blackstone to black concrete or black wool or coal blocks. They're all neutral blacks. Coal block being a good example because it has, uh, or actually wool as well. There's a lot of different color, different um, shades of of gray and black in there to make what you feel as a black block. But there's no purple, like there's no hue in there, uh, and so it's it becomes really frustrating. I think um, when you get a new block that you've been wanting for a while with all these different variants, and yet it just it doesn't seem to be able to be used quite easily out of context in the nether um, yeah i'll also oh, sorry go ahead no i was i was going to say i would almost want to swap the texture of coal blocks and blackstone so the coal blocks yes. were this kind of you know single texture thing of it being you know slightly purpley and having those lighter glints to it and then making the blackstone a little bit more of that kind of pure black block and obviously from there it might be more difficult to show the brick formations that they've put in for it and the kind of the chiseled versions of it but there's there's also i think more use for it out of context and a bit more use for it to blend in with other stuff like we, we, we've been talking about slabs and stairs and so forth in the context of wanting to make modern roads that have more than just a full block step up whenever you want an elevation change and i don't know if i would use regular blackstone or any of the polished uh, variants or brick variants for that no because it doesn't provide a particularly smooth transition especially not with any of the other black stuff that we the other black materials we have already no, and the and the black and even within blackstone itself, like they've taken the time and the effort to give blackstone, polished blackstone, polished blackstone bricks, and cracked polished blackstone brick bricks. Pro <laughs> tip: is... No one's no one's going to say that ever. Like yeah. just they're, 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 blackstone bricks and cracked blackstone bricks at best is what they're going to call this stuff. And 
you and like in in the overworld you can barely tell the difference the only two that kind of stand out are if you put like blackstone next to polished blackstone because there is quite a difference there yeah. but when you get polished bricks and cracked all next to each other you can barely tell the difference in the overworld and in the nether forget it like it's just <laughs> With it's, it being it's adult it's, dimension already yeah and and let's not forget you can get cracked and polished variants in the walls mm-hmm. so like and and you can't tell like so you've got all these different variants and which require effort and inventory i mean forget trying to tell the difference in your inventory by the way like you have to sit there and read to figure out which one is which uh so you have all this effort that's put in which is fantastic and i don't want to undercut the amount of work that goes in but at the end of the day if i can't tell the difference between the three blocks that you've added you've only added one block you know (laughs) it just and it's just as an as an artist i know i get nitpicky about this kind of stuff but it's frustrating to finally get a black block with slabs and stairs and buttons and pressure plates and all this cool stuff and not be able to really want to use it in anything. Yeah, um, I, I, I think ultimately I'm still more excited about having a black stair and slab material in the game. I'm looking forward to using it for roofs. Uh, people have mm-hmm. made some really cool like castles and fortresses already, but unfortunately you end up lacking the kind of the details that people put into uh castle builds and stuff like that where they blend a stone brick texture into what is mostly a wall of stone your 70 30 detail rule um if you're using uh, blackstone and then blackstone polished bricks for that your eye has nowhere to rest because the regular blackstone texture is very noisy and the brick texture doesn't really stand out as any different as a result or or it you know it it doesn't leave the eye with anywhere to rest and allow the rest of the texture to stand out and imply that the entire thing is made out of bricks and so you're left just using one texture for most of it and ultimately that's not as pleasant to look at as it could be um, no, and they're they're a high contrast block too. Like even putting it next to cobblestone, it still has a hard edge. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like it it blends that well. I find it also very odd that regular blackstone, which I would argue is probably my favorite texture out of all of them, out of all the new blackstone textures, just the straight up blackstone as you find it in the world is probably my favorite. But curiously, it has a different texture on the top than it does on the side, and you can't control that. So if yeah. you really like that top texture you have to look down at it it has to be a road or the top of a building you cannot put that as a wall currently i I say that with a hashtag hoping that it's it's a a glitch where similar to basalt which has like that pillar structure where if you point it in a certain direction you can have either the end of it or the side of it be what you see yeah it Uh, has it has that rotational positioning thing yeah directional you you can't do that with blackstone as it as it stands i actually quite thought the side texture of blackstone to be interesting compared to the top yeah Uh, better in my opinion because the top honestly just looks like black cobblestone yeah i mean Um, if you put cobblestone basalt and blackstone in a row they actually form quite a neat gradient that seems to connect pretty well uh, but I can't see myself using that all that much. Mm-mm. And yeah, I kind of agree. It's strange that it has a different side texture than the top texture is. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that they're so focused on the nether as part of the nether update that they're losing sight of something that I know I've heard from the devs in the past. And that is that they want blocks to be able to be used for more than one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that's true of a lot of the new blocks in the Nether update. And this is more of a general thing, not just Blackstone, but like the new warped woods and planks and things like that. Um, 
In a lot of ways, the new nether blocks remind me of blocks in the end. How often do you see blocks in the end used outside of the end? And I'm taking shulker boxes and end rods out of it, but like purper, you know, uh, uh, end stone, end stone bricks, end, end stone, yeah. end stone bricks. Like they're just they just don't work with anything else you know and stone bricks have had an opportunity and you'll see this with people with their texture packs if they do a custom texture pack very often they'll change end stone and end stone bricks to be the same color as sandstone yeah so that they can use it in sandstone builds and have a more of a variation there and and uh and it's just not that's they didn't do it there's this, this the weird neon puke yellow and that's there's just that's just how it is but as a result you don't there's a set of blocks in the end that people just don't build with very often. You you'll see the odd purper castle or purper roof to a to a um, a uh, wizard's tower because it gave you those those stairs and slabs that you so desperately wanted in in, in your shapes. Um, but people kind of like sacrifice the color because like, well, I don't like the color, but I want stairs and slabs more than I dislike the color. And, and so I'm feeling the same way about the nether. I'm feeling like it's more if you want to play with these blocks in the nether, they're only going to work in the nether with other nether blocks. Because don't get me wrong, um, if you start combining nether brick, um, the the purpley uh, blackstone, the crying obsidian, like all these things uh, that, are, that are very nethery with the nether update, they do all work together, but you can't really take them out of the nether and get nearly as much flexibility with them. Yeah. And and that may be a sign that they want players to build bases in the nether more, is what they've been encouraging people to do with this whole update, is make the nether more of a place for players to build and survive. But it also neglects the diversity those things could have in other dimensions in the game. Yeah. And considering players prefer to spend time in the overworld because it's the most similar to the real world, and I think right now people are looking for ways to spend more time, you know, looking at something that looks like the real world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Uh, moving on from this very quickly, uh, the addition of blackstone, quartz bricks, cracked and chiseled nether brick, and the new piglin banner pattern, I think all points to the strong possibility of piglin bastions being included, if not this week, then sometime soon. Because either that or Mojang is giving the players the tool sets to build their own piglin castle, because the chiseled um, blackstone brick variant has a snout style design in it as well. So I'm guessing that if we're not getting bastions, then at least it's a visual cue to players to be like, hey, you want to build a piglin houses? Here is some stuff that looks piglin themed already. Uh, so I agree. Yeah. And I, and, I, I, and I love the snouts. I mean, I, you know, to, to, <laughs> to, to get into some positive notes here, like the snout carved into the stone is hilarious. Yeah, it's like, very, I, very funny. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of works on two levels. Like it sort of looks like two eyeballs. Like it sort of looks like a little face, but also once you know, once you see it's a pig nose, you kind of can't unsee that it's a pig nose. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, simple enough design. It isn't like a full piglin face that couldn't be interpreted no, as anything else. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, it, and the carved nether brick is cool because it's got the skull in it from um, from the wither skulls that you find in, in nether fortresses, which I yes. think is really good too. Uh, neither one of those are directional though, which I also find confusing. It's, it's one of those weird situations where we have that flexibility existing in many other blocks in parts of the game. I don't understand why that functionality was removed for these blocks. 
Yeah, it's it's like something has to be assigned as a pillar or a tree trunk block for it to be rotated in that way, or or something with yeah. functionality like a piston, for example. Yeah, um, and and there is still even differences in how those are placed. Like pistons, uh, you have to be looking at a specific quadrant of the block in order to place it a certain way, and you have to have a certain angle to place it. Whereas if you're placing uh, decorative blocks like wood and like you know pillar blocks of any kind, it just has Quartz. to be relative yeah. relative to the face of the block that you are placing it against. Um, yeah. and and so that there's there's so much variety to that, and there's like you know the the behaviors work for the different types of block you're placing but it still feels inconsistent between them which is very strange uh we're spending a lot of time on the snapshot here and hopefully we'll still have time for our main discussion let's briefly touch on a couple of the other things um what do you Um, think about what do you think about quartz bricks do you like quartz bricks do you think you'd use them uh i guess i'd use them i did a little bit of test building before the show uh they add some depth and detail like if you have a smooth quartz wall and then you put quartz bricks at the base of a quartz pillar uh, it does sort of feel like it pops off the wall, even though it's all the same face. Like it, yeah. it does kind of give that um, feeling. As a full wall of quartz bricks, though, it doesn't feel right. It it looks like it's going to fall over to me. Yeah. Uh, it's because it, it has a very distinct grid. It doesn't interlock like bricks do and uh, any of the other brick textures. It's very different. Uh, it's like a the pattern is like half stone brick and half purple right purple has that four by four but because it's all even it makes sense but with quartz bricks if you make a wall of it you get alternating rows of like two by twos and two by fours in terms of the in terms of the the quadrants and so it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like something i'm going to build you know big walls of um and i I mean it's not bad like i'm not not saying it's terrible but i'm I'm also just it's a curious choice yeah and again i think because it because of because of the curious choice it narrows its use which again feels odd for minecraft that is kind of my thoughts on it too is why why now i i get that they're adding other stuff relevant to the nether and unless it has some sort of place in the eventual piglin bastions if they get added I sort of wonder why wait this long to give us quartz bricks and why include them at all if quartz bricks really aren't necessary. So we already yeah. have chiseled quartz, smooth quartz, regular tileable quartz blocks. Uh, we have quartz pillar and, you know, side textures for quartz pillar and so forth as well. Like there's there's a lot of variety in quartz already, not to mention it has slabs and stairs, not walls. But again, I guess mm-hmm. we can't have everything. Uh, it's it seems a little strange to add quartz bricks seemingly arbitrarily alongside some of this other stuff. And people have speculated yeah. that cracked and chiseled nether brick hints at there being a redesign of nether fortresses on the way. Not certain if that's going to be the case or not. I would assume not because that seems like a lot of work to also completely overhaul an established generated structure that is not doing a bad job of being there. But no. it totally depends I, how that has yeah. a relationship with the Piglin Bastions and, and if they become a thing. And I don't see the Nether Fortresses changing their shape. I could see the composition changing. I could see, you know, when you get a crossroads, you get carved stone bricks sure, or carved yeah. Nether bricks. When you, when you, and then just like every once in a while throwing a cracked brick in there, I, I can't set, see that being a terribly difficult thing to change in sure. terms of Nether generation. Yeah. Um, on To end the snapshot chat on a positive note, I love the way walls connect to iron bars and glass yes. panes. Yes, yes, yes. It is nearly the vertical slab that players have been salivating for for years. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, as a refresher, just to kind of bring everybody up to speed in case you're wondering, there are now 17 types of walls in the game. 
including cobblestone, mossy cobblestone, brick, stone brick, mossy stone brick, granite, andesite, diorite, sandstone, red sandstone, nether brick, red nether brick, endstone, prismarine, and now blackstone, polished blackstone, and polished blackstone brick if you can tell the difference between any of those last three good luck (laughs) but no quartz you get three that you can't tell the difference between but there's no quartz uh notably absent i feel are quartz polished andesite polished granite and i guess polished diorite although no one would use it uh smooth sandstone also missing cracked bricks cracked stone bricks and then a big question mark wood (laughs) yeah (laughs) like so we get all these things. And just like you said, like that comment that you mentioned earlier with a, a little bit of a, a, of a sneer of like, we can't have everything. It it feels like some of the stuff they're adding is just like, we didn't need this. Yeah. And then the other stuff that is just such an obvious ad where people are just like, we want this. And then we're just not getting it. And it feels weird. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's kind of cool that we now have like at least a decent brick building palette for these sort of half wall areas yeah. so, so these these mm-hmm. kind of walls that are now connecting in a continuous no holes in it whatsoever and even connecting to like you said iron iron bars and glass panes yep. it really ups the castle building game i feel like because you can have thinner sections of wall now yep. in a castle and, that still feels solid and defensible and so forth and add some depth to builds where mm-hmm. you don't want to have the walls be three blocks thick. Yes. You know, we talked a little bit a, a few weeks ago about like, you know, the speed at which the Minecraft player walks and walking through walls and build scale. And if you've got a five by seven house and you want to have some depth to it, you don't necessarily want to have three meter thick walls when mm-hmm. the inside of your house is only big enough that you can touch both walls with both hands, right? Whereas I feel like in the, in the um, I can't remember what tweet it was. I saw it on, on Twitter. It was a, a, scra- a snapshot or a screenshot rather of these walls with like smooth stone above them and then just walls with glass panes in them and it just adds that level of sub block detail to a small build that just makes it feel so much nicer and and so much more i guess it makes it feel more realistic because you start to get walls that are no longer a meter thick right like think yeah. that's that's the biggest the biggest takeaway but i i uh i've always been frustrated with wanting to build walls that are more than one wall tall so even forgetting that they now connect brilliantly to uh uh iron bars and to glass panes just the way that they connect to one another it's solid mm-hmm. there's no holes in it uh I'm curious also to see what that means for technical Minecrafters. You now have this half block thing that you can push things up against. You can push items up against. You can use it to align mobs. Like, I'm curious how this is going to go forward. And once um, you have a giant pillar of wall, if you add something attached to the top block and they all revert to the original wall model that converts them basically all the way down in a vertical column into that wall model so you have instantly transmissible block state changes which means wireless redstone Uh, and and it really it really adds like something to vertical redstone travel if you trigger that with an observer or something that can detect a block update so there is yeah potential there for some really really cool stuff that would not have been something that Mojang necessarily intended themselves, which is super cool. Uh, We have talked about the snapshot for a long time, so it is time to move on to chunk mail. Uh, And if you have any more thoughts about the changes that have come in this latest snapshot, you can email the show at our new address, spawnchunkmail at gmail.com, like mechmorphic has done. Uh, Megmorphic is a landscape artist member of our Discord community uh, and says this one is about dispensing with dispensers. 
Uh, howdy, Joel and Pix. I couldn't help but notice in the last snapshot there were a number of dispenser changes that allow shears in a dispenser to be used on a number of entities. We mentioned this earlier that they can now be used to shear snow golems and uh, one other thing that I forget. Uh, uh, place place uh, like saddles and armor and things on horses. Yes, and... Yeah, and oh, and they can shear mushrooms. That was the other thing they can they can oh, right, shear yes. is they can take the the mushrooms off of a, a mushroom and convert it into a regular cow. Sorry, back to McMorphic's email. Uh, there is one feature I wanted since dispensers have been able to shear sheep and that is the ability to shear vines thus making automatic vine farms possible is there any reason that mojang should not or will not add this kind of feature to the game or is this just another case of mojang not adding in adding in what seems to be an easy feature that would have broad support in brackets he says i've grown tired of asking for concrete slabs and stairs thank you for the amazing podcast and the content you both create mechmorphic well thank you very much for that a very well reasoned email and I have a fairly well-reasoned response to this. I think it's noteworthy that the actions that they've given to dispensers are right-clicking behaviors and not left-clicking behaviors. So in in Minecraft, to break a block, you left-click, and to place a block or to interact with something without necessarily destroying it, you right-click. Uh, and that's what dispensers do. You can use a dispenser to place pumpkins on snow and iron to turn them into golems you can use them to place mob heads start fires with a flint and steel which you would do with a right click use bone meal place armor stands and shear sheep but you're not shearing them by left clicking you're shearing them by right clicking so dispensers don't break blocks and you don't shear vines by right clicking on them you do it by left clicking which is a block breaking action so i i think basically it is there's a slippery slope if you have dispensers starting to break blocks then that leads to automatic mining which is something that mojang has made it clear they don't want added into the game players are the ones that need to be breaking the blocks and you know tnt is obviously a thing but that's got its own set of issues with how you're going to control it and so so forth so i think it's noteworthy really that the the dispenser right clicks for you but it will never left click if that makes sense yeah, I agree with the auto mining. It's a slippery slope. Uh, when dispensers put out TNT, they put out active TNT and it disappears immediately via violently exploding. Yes. Uh, I've, I also feel like a good comparison would be ladders. You can't put a ladder into dispenser and get it to dispense because technically the ladder is not an entity. It's a block, right? Yes. So, and I, th- I, th- I think those are good comparisons to draw. Yeah. And, and, you know, dispensers aren't ever necessarily going to be able to place blocks for you in the same way because obviously like there are a number of other things that players can do by right clicking you know placing torches and other stuff that is sub blocks so it's not entirely consistent that a dispenser can do everything a player can by right clicking but i feel like they have it kind of locked down to very specific behaviors and interacting with entities as well rather than blocks like you're looking at uh, a dispenser being able to put armor onto an armor stand or add a saddle to a horse in this case they're always interacting with entities in front of them or a lack of entity in front of them but they're not interacting with blocks themselves so you couldn't have a dispenser right click with a shovel to turn a grass into a grass path you know it, it doesn't necessarily mm. work that way either mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it, it makes sense i think dispensers are now becoming more consistent in their behavior and that's sort of what they're trying to do by adding these extra shear behaviors for mushrooms and for snow golems even though shearing a snow golem just removes the pumpkin from their head doesn't really do anything else so there's no reason to have it do that but it's just something else a dispenser can do with shears i suppose 
that justifies its existence more than just for shearing sheep. Yeah. So I think it's it's time to move on to our main topic of discussion, which we're going to brush over briefly, of course, because we've talked a lot about Dungeons and the Snapshot. But with the music being added to the Nether, courtesy of Lena Rain, who I really wish I had noticed uh, her name and, and where I recognized it from. She was the composer of Celeste, which is one of my favorite Switch games, and it's available on a, a bunch of platforms. But Celeste... Uh, 2D platformer, wonderful game, fantastic, sublime soundtrack. And so, yeah, there are some themes in the new music that I even sort of vaguely recognized as like nods to the Celeste soundtrack. Uh, but between her and uh, Samuel Arberg, they posted uh, an article on Minecraft.net, which is linked in the show notes called The Sound of Scary about the music and sound design of Minecraft with a couple of nods to uh, the folks who were composing for Dungeons and Minecraft Earth as well. This is a great read for anyone who's interested in the audio elements of the Nether update, but I thought it was kind of cool to to bring in to the discussion this week because Minecraft obviously has a fairly recognizable uh, soundtrack at this point. I imagine because of Minecraft being the the best-selling game in the world at this point, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, have heard the Minecraft soundtrack at this point. Um, and being content creators, you and I, Joel, we rarely hear the Minecraft soundtrack these days because a lot of the time when we're streaming or recording it, we have the music turned off, largely to avoid, um, you know, balancing issues where, you know, the Minecraft soundtrack has a large dynamic range. It can be very loud and very quiet at different points. So we kind of have to balance it between you know, the music being heard and our commentary being heard. Um, and also if you're editing video, it can, you know, clips can jump between sections of the music. But I feel like for now, the Minecraft soundtrack carries quite a lot of nostalgia. When you started playing Minecraft casually initially, um, did you play with the soundtrack on in the background? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember... I don't remember if it was you or if it was my friend Steven that turned me on to the fact that the soundtrack was available elsewhere. Yes. Uh, and I and I bought those. And for a while, because I quickly learned playing Minecraft, especially where early on I wasn't spending a lot of time in the nether. I was mostly overworld stuff. I just ended up hearing the same track over and over and over yes, again. And I just got are, kind of sick of it. There are four different songs, I think, that play in the overworld. It might be more than that now. It might have expanded a little bit. But if you're playing survival yeah. Minecraft, there is specific music that plays randomly throughout the day. And then if yeah. you're playing creative mode, there are different kinds. But for folks like us, we typically play survival all the time. We would be hearing the same four or five or maybe six tracks exactly. over and over so again. I was, I was very surprised when I when I picked up the albums that there are several different kinds uh not all i don't like all of them but they're like most of them i do and so what i started doing was was playing that in the background instead of podcasts or other things when i was mm -hmm. playing minecraft offline i would just listen to the soundtracks i think i think i like the second one better i think that's yes i think i prefer the second one um, I think mostly because the first one has so many of the tracks that you have heard on repeat forever if you've just been playing the game. Yeah. So branching out into the second soundtrack is always a little bit better. Um, I've always been surprised that more of the existing soundtrack, which is obviously out there, is not included in the rotation in the game. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a hard thing to add. Yeah, and it's it varies a lot. And I, I sort of wonder why that is I, I think minecraft's music does a really good job setting the tone of the game and reflecting the landscape i agree and yeah. 
I think in creative mode, the music kind of picks up a little bit and has more melody and kind of, it, it feels in itself weirdly more creative and more hopeful in the sense that you are able to build with infinite resources and it's kind of, it feels a little bit more like it's trying to be inspiring to you uh, rather than the sort of more ambient, more melancholic kind of feel that you get in the overworld in survival. It, it plays more with ambience and texture than it does with like melodic hooks when you're just playing survival. There are a few sort of recognizable piano melodies that recur in a few places. But um, yeah, I, th I think this is something that the f folks who know of the band Sigaross, who are an Icelandic band, they compose music that is supposed to be reflective of their homeland and the kind of the landscape of Iceland and the fact that they're, you know, the, the landscape around is fairly desolate. There aren't that many places people live, but there are these giant sweeping mountains and kind of, you know, the, there's a lot of the natural world out there and their music is fairly ambient and kind of droney and repetitive and stuff as well. And I think the Minecraft soundtrack kind of echoes that in the sense that there are no real signs of life except for you. And the music is sort of representative of how you interact with the world around you, uh, which is going very kind of like interpretive about this whole thing. But then when you go through to the nether, obviously all of the sounds get a lot darker, foreboding, dramatic. There's a lot more sections that are in a minor key and you end up feeling very apprehensive if you're listening to this music. And Lena's work... Uh, for this new nether soundtrack i think really builds on that to the point where there are melodic sections that now give the nether something of its own personality uh, and there's some great quotes i think you picked out a couple of them from the the article but yeah she's she's talking about wanting different sections of the music to feel scary and hopeful and kind of claustrophobic but also convey a sense of scale and space that the nether also has so you can be going through a tunnel worrying about lava dropping on you and then suddenly you're out in this enormous cavern and the music reflects that journey even if it doesn't necessarily trigger at the exact moment you walk out at some point it's going to sync up with your experience and at that point it creates something memorable and i think that's which what, i think is fantastic yeah, yeah that's that's what the minecraft soundtrack really does is it it, it plays randomly as you play and then sooner or later it's going to sync up with something and create what feels like a memorable moment for you yeah, I, I find too that um, having listened via like snapshot videos and stuff on YouTube, I haven't sat down and listened to the full like five or six minute tracks, but I've gotten a solid taste of everything. Um, I really like the new Nether music, similar to how I like the music from the 113 release where they had new aquatic tracks, which yes. I don't think, do they play in the game? I don't ever remember hearing them, but they, I think... They play if you are underwater in certain areas. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, again, I, don't, I haven't done much of that because we, we built a big guardian farm back when it was still 112. So, yeah. and, <laughs> so and we, again, most of our underwater time was before that came out. It's, it's those tracks that you have to be playing with music on to hear them in the first place. And I now play those... Yeah, from from a media player on my desktop, I actually went into the game files and extracted those tracks because they aren't available for purchase anywhere. Um, right. As Joel mentioned earlier, by the way, for folks who are listening and want to buy the soundtracks, they're available for I think like six or seven bucks each on C418's Bandcamp page, which we have linked in the show notes. And and it's really great to, as Joel said, have them just playing as you play, so you get to hear the entire Minecraft soundtrack instead of just the same three or four pieces because there's some favorites in there that i would have had to play in creative mode a whole bunch before i would even have heard 
And I've noticed a number of content creators using the Minecraft music now in time lapses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't I'm not familiar enough with all of the tracks to know if they're only using tracks that are currently in the game or if they're using other tracks from Minecraft that have been composed by C14 uh because they are assumed to be part of the game and therefore don't flag the content controls on yes. video stuff like Twitch and YouTube. Um for example, like I mean I I know a number of uh Twitch creators use game soundtracks from other games when they're playing minecraft just because they want something fun to listen to in the background but they use game soundtracks because twitch doesn't flag that as not game content they're yeah. just like oh that that sounds like elder scrolls well that's fine you know that person might be playing elder scrolls they don't the, the algorithm isn't smart enough to look at the game you're playing versus the soundtrack you're listening to yeah um I which i think is is clever um I also have been struck. Uh, one of the things I did to to troubleshoot my Mac install was I removed the Minecraft folder or I, I, I copied it. I made a backup uh, and then started a new world so that everything in the Minecraft folder on my, my Mac install was brand new. This also meant that my settings file was also brand new. So everything was at max volume, all of it. Yeah. Uh, and so when I went into creative mode, everything was was max volume. I got quite sick of listening to the creative music, so I turned it off. However, what was also cranked at max volume was the ambient sounds mm -hmm. and the ambient sort of stuff, which, while not melodic, is certainly musical, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. there's no, it just, it has like a rise and a fall to it. It has, I want to say, a conversation to it when you're listening to it. And talk about creepy factor, like <laughs> taking screenshots uh in the basalt deltas and you're like the world feels like it's cracking under me like this is unnerving yeah. and so i'm making a mental note i'm pretty sure i play with ambient pretty high anyway um but i i'm making a mental note when i go back into the game and when i go back especially into the snapshot and when another update comes out i'm going to be making sure that the ambient noises are just like 100 percent because yeah. uh it it really adds an awful lot and i wasn't aware when i read this article i didn't know about this until you added it to the show notes but when i read the article uh in addition to c418 and uh leader rain Mojang's uh, audio director, Samuel, I think it's Oberg, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, has composed a lot of the ambient sound and music for Vanilla Minecraft, uh, as some of the mashup packs created by Mojang partner uh, 4J include uh, music by uh, Gareth Coker, I believe that's how you say that name. Uh, Minecraft Earth's music is written by Shawnee Jang, and Minecraft Dungeons has been given its sonic identity in collaboration between Peter Haunt, uh, Johan uh, Johnson, and then Samuel um, Oberg as well. So like there are at least a half dozen people involved in the music across the different Minecraft properties now. Yeah. Uh, and including including sound design, not not just music, but also like ambience and stuff like that. And it's, it shows. I, I The effort and the uh, synergy is not lost on me. Um, I confess I wasn't paying attention in Minecraft Dungeons that much. We were too busy smashing skeleton heads to really um, stop and hear the music. But I think also for the stream and to hear you, I might have turned a lot of the sounds down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I know that I know I remember making mental note of creepy ambient stuff like shrieks and howls and things in Creeper Woods, but I don't recall the music 
as much. It didn't make as much of an impression on me. Yeah, um, I, I, f- I feel like the music is very much geared towards this being an action game and it has more of a kind of driven rhythmic feel to it that you don't get right. in, you know, the Minecraft soundtrack doesn't have a great deal of drums and stuff in it, you know? No. Um, and, and while this isn't exactly pop music going on in Minecraft Dungeons, it's still got like a, a fairly... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's still got a fairly steady meter to it. It still feels like the music mm. is kind of moving forward, whereas a lot of what you hear in Minecraft is ambient and you can't tell like what the time signature is and like that kind of like you don't you don't know how to measure out the beats in the bar until some something more melodic like a piano or something like that comes in or like a glockenspiel is playing something so yeah yeah, that there is there is a very distinct difference and having seen the episode of their dungeons diaries video on youtube where they had the choir singing in like villager sounds um i i think that's that's really strong and that that kind of that does creep through in areas like creepy crypts um where there's there's a little bit of that going on and they can tailor it to each area because each area has a very distinct controlled environment um you look at stuff like pumpkin pastures where everything is very like fall looking and it's a kind of pastoral farm scene there's pumpkins everywhere but there are still there's the threat of illagers invading and that kind of thing you can compose something specifically for that and know that it's going to play in that level and that can control part of the player's experience of that area whereas if you do that in minecraft that music might play in a situation where it has no place so like if you're out in the ocean having music that's kind of meant to depict this kind of dry sunny farmland is really not going to make much sense no exactly Um, I, so, yeah. I I wish that more music in Minecraft would be biome specific because of all the different biomes we have now. Yeah. I would love for there to be two or three tracks that would rotate for every biome or biome type. Like obviously there's a lot of sub biomes, but like desert versus plains versus ocean versus mountains forest like I, I feel like that would be really cool because i think in a way in much the same way that visually these areas will appeal to different players and what they want to build uh i think it would also influence people like whoa i really want to build in the desert because i really like the music that plays there it, it gives the feeling that i want you know for that particular you know place to build now i'm curious as a as a musician like yourself as someone that works in audio and and has done their own composition before uh are you are you hopeful for a new minecraft album do you think they're going to come or a moyang album like do you think they're ever going to release some of the stuff uh in a way that people can consume outside of the games and like when it comes down to that like do you are you getting the same sort of feeling from these new nether tracks that you did when you first discovered the music in minecraft I definitely get the feel from the new nether tracks, definitely. And it it feels almost like an evolution. Like I was saying earlier, the fact that the nether dimension is evolving gives, and they've now given us a soundtrack that feels like the nether we know, but taken to the next level. It feels like, you know, not, not to say that Lena's music or C418's music, one is better or worse than the other, but it feels like she's taken the concept of the nether in terms of its musical form and has introduce new elements in the same way that these new biomes have just been introduced you know it kind of mirrors the development of the nether as a dimension um so so that it really excites me and and like you i'm i'm kind of hopeful that this and the underwater music we got in the update aquatic sets a precedent for more music being introduced that is specific to other biomes 
um, and it might be a little bit difficult in the overworld because there are so many biomes to choose from, whereas the Nether only has, what, five now? Um, mm -hmm. But there's there's still an option for that to expand the game somewhat in future. Maybe with the mountain update that might be happening, you know, in 117, um, after the Nether updates, we might see some mountain-specific music coming into play at that point, and that could be an expansion to what they see as the update to a biome. Uh, as for another album, I don't know for certain because I don't know what the terms of C418's original kind of contract were. I mean, he, he signed on to make music for the game back when it was still being developed, I think, solely by Notch. Uh, or at least, you know, once Mojang had established a bit of a foothold and got some more people on board, he was still making the music and releasing it independently on his Bandcamp page. So... I don't know if any of his music would make it into a future album, whether that would be overseen and distributed by Mojang as part of their official merchandise, or if Lena Rain retains the rights to her own work and while it gets used in Minecraft, she could release it independently. I'm not certain how that's going to work. And that's entirely an internal discussion for them, uh, which mm. maybe they will give us some more information about once the update comes out and maybe if more music gets produced in future but i would love to be able to get hold of this music now because yeah it's definitely the kind of stuff i would add to my rotations and playlists and stuff that i play on on my streams now um seeing as they've added the um i can't remember what it was called the founders pack or something to the minecraft dungeons purchase pre-order pre where you get like a cape and uh you get your your, pre your um dlc pre-purchased and stuff yeah. like that you want to make that even juicier add add an album yes to the, give us to the a soundtrack pack, you know add a soundtrack either there or down the line and i would be more inclined to grab that you know that founders pack sort of deal i can't I, that might not be the technical term for it but but like th that that additional purchase of having some extra perks like a pet and a skin and stuff like that like those the in-game stuff i generally don't care that much about but additional things like DLC and soundtracks, I would be interested. I have recently started collecting a few video game soundtracks on vinyl. Uh, I have the soundtrack for Transistor. Ooh. I have the soundtrack for Undertale. I want to cool. get the Stardew Valley soundtrack, but that's like four discs. <laughs> it's like 60 bucks. <laughs> um, and I have uh, I have um, the vinyl issue of uh, C418's Minecraft Volume Alpha. I mainly, in, in fact, I wanted it so I could listen to it on, on a record player, which is pretty cool, but also so that I could put it in a 12-inch frame and hang it up on my wall because the the art for it is, of course, like a stylized... Uh, 3d rendering of a grass block but it looks really cool in a frame and i want to put that up in my office somewhere but i'm terrible at decorating my office it turns out um yeah and i i think i think the minecraft soundtrack is one that's going to be in the consciousness of a ton of people historically speaking going forward for a while um it's the kind of music that will invoke great nostalgia in people some you know 40 or 50 years from now whatever state minecraft is in I feel like, you know, you, you hear that music and it's it's like returning to the game. I've actually chosen to play uh, Hagstrom from Minecraft Volume Alpha, which is one of the four pieces that plays in the overworld, at basically the beginning of every episode of my Minecraft Survival Guide series, and I've edited it in, uh, in the post-processing sort of um, phase of the, you know, when I'm editing the video, rather than have it naturally play in the background. Um, it's one of the more peaceful tracks, and I feel like it's one of those tracks that kind of grounds you in Minecraft and gives you... It's that peaceful kind of, like, melodic piano line that is very, very simple and almost feels like you're kind of returning home or watching the sunrise 
or something like that and i wanted to include that almost as like a musical motif for the survival guide even though it's not something i've composed myself but i wanted to give people a sense of like hey we're coming back to this now and it, it feels familiarity like familiar yeah. yeah exactly and and that's part of it and i think that's one of the things that really sticks out about the minecraft soundtrack once you've experienced it a couple of times is that it it becomes familiar very quickly 100 percent. yeah uh so that's gonna be it for this episode of the spawn chunks thank you folks for listening and for listening to me ramble about the music especially um we're gonna link all of the stuff that we talked about today at the as usual the music for this show was composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and we are very close to achieving our next milestone goal of recording the show live in discord so our patrons can listen in as the show is being made we are currently at 172 patrons which is another increase from last week thank you so much for your continued support and special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron sigelski greena canuck jd williamson yakov nastin and yitz for your support on this episode i love to see that list growing it is so amazing uh to see all the support 172 patrons that's uh, that's we're coming on that big 200 number that's incredible really is sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show it's 100 free you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast with friends shout and wave from across the street that's how i do it that's how you should do it too i'm I'm kidding. Don't take me literally. You can email the show at the new email address at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also hang your podcast hat on YouTube if that's where you like to listen. And of course, the RSS feed is on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me there, then just drop me a line. The Citadel Cafe is a podcast I do about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. That's at thecitadelcafe.com. And it's also on YouTube. So if you're one of those YouTube podcast listeners, you can find The Citadel Cafe on YouTube. We don't have a vanity URL yet, so go subscribe. Uh, and help me out there. But you can just do a quick search for The Citadel Cafe on YouTube. You will find archives starting at episode 300 up to the most recent, which is 356. A few of those include uh, my buddy here, Johnny, on the show. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of my favorites, actually, including uh, a show about Endgame, Avengers Endgame, and a more recent one about Dungeons & Dragons. Super, super fun stuff. You can also follow me on social media at Joel Duggan. I'm very easy to find. And of course, I will point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I hope to stream more stuff now that my computer is almost sort of kind of maybe working. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and the biomes are alive with the sound of music.